Hi, I'm Pastor David Jones. Welcome to my sermon archives. For more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I pray God speaks to you as you listen. We are in the 14th of what is turning out to be an increasingly long series of sermons about pictures of the church in the Bible. I keep finding more of them as I go along. Today we're looking at the church is like a grapevine, based on Jesus' words in John 15, verses 1 through 8. Our memory verse is John 15, 5. Repeat it after me if you would, please. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Is Jesus speaking these words to the church? or to individuals. Sometimes it's hard to tell in English. The original Greek uses different words for you, singular, versus you, plural. It's kind of like the difference between, if you're in the South, the difference between you and y'all in the American South. In this case, the Greek makes it clear that the word Jesus is using when he says you is plural. In other words, he's addressing a group of people. In uh, the book of Revelation, Jesus writes letters specifically to churches. And so, even though there was not an actual church at the time that Jesus was on the earth, he was addressing his followers, and the church is those who follow Jesus. So, I think we need to make as much of an effort as we can, especially we Americans who have such an individualistic tendency, We need to make as much of an effort as we can to try and remember that much of the Bible is written to groups. It was written to churches or to communities or to cities or to nations. It applies to individuals if we take it appropriately. But the initial uh, application in most cases was to a group. So let's go through this passage of what Jesus is saying In John 15, he starts in verse 1, and I'm using the New Living Translation. He says, I am the true grapevine. Now, Jesus used the figure of a grapevine because his listeners were very familiar with it. Grapes were cultivated all over Israel. If you're not familiar with grapes, think of a rose bush or an apple tree, any kind of a a fruit-bearing plant, uh, especially one that lives uh, more than a year. I have put in some fruit trees here in the place where I've retired. As a matter of fact, almost every place I've lived, I've planted fruit trees. And my experience is that they do much better if you prune them. You cut off the dead branches, you cut off unfruitful branches that are growing in the wrong places or the wrong ways. Some branches you learn to look at and just you can tell from signs on them that they're not going to bear any fruit themselves. Other branches 
are growing in such a way that they obstruct the light from coming in to fruit-bearing branches, or they obstruct the movement of fresh air, which is necessary to keep the plant's disease free. And these need to be pruned off. So dead branches are cut off, and good branches are pruned. You cut off the suckers, you cut off the water spouts that drain energy from the production of fruit, you cut off the parts that obstruct others from growing, that that obstruct the light and obstruct the air. And let's keep this in mind as we go on through and talk about uh, pruning and what Jesus said about the church being like a grapevine. So he said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Who is Jesus' father? Well, it's God, of course. And it says he's a gardener. He's not a forager stalking the wild asparagus. He's a gardener tending his grapevine. A gardener plants the vine. A gardener cares for the vine. God planted his church and he cares for it. A gardener has plans for his vine. And God has plans for his church. Verse 2, Jesus says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, if we're talking about vines, that's okay. But if we're talking about the church, that's a little bit scary. So let's see exactly what does it mean. Let's start with the fruit. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. So what fruit does God expect to see out of his church? He expects to see disciples, new Christians. The Great Commission says, go into all the world and make disciples. So if the church is not making disciples, if the church is not bringing people to Jesus, and then not only getting them saved, but discipling them, making them disciples, making them followers of Jesus, making them more and more like Jesus, then we're not bearing the fruit that God is looking for. And we better do something. Another place where the Bible talks about fruit is fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If these things are not being born more and more, becoming more and more evident in the lives of a church and the people of the church, the people who make up the church, then that's fruit that's not being born. And the third thing that I think of when I think about the fruit that God wants from the church is an answer to the prayer that Jesus taught us all to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've said many times, and I got this, uh, this is not original uh, from me, This comes from uh, Pastor Johnson of Bethel Church. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth is Jesus' mission statement, his vision statement. God wants his will to be done on earth. And he says, as it is in heaven. So any way that God's will is always done in heaven, 
any way that earth is different from heaven is an indication that God's will is not being done. His kingdom has not yet come. And that is a call to action for the church. So if the church is not moving in that direction, helping the earth, the world, the community become more like heaven, then we are not bearing the fruit that God wants. Now a branch is the part of the vine where the fruit grows. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. If we're looking at a vine as a picture of Jesus' church, you could see a big branch as a denomination like Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or a movement like the Pentecostal or Charismatic movement. Smaller branches could be individual local churches. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying any local congregation or movement or entire denomination that fails to produce fruit for Jesus will be cut off from him. You say, would Jesus really do that? Well, in Revelations 2, 4, and 5, one of the letters uh, addressed to the seven churches that Jesus dictated to the Apostle John in the uh, second and third chapters of Revelation. In uh, Revelation 2, 4, and 5, addressed to the church in Ephesus, Jesus says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And in Revelations 3.16, same series of letters, this one addressed to the church in Laodicea. He says, you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus says he will spit a church out of his mouth. I guess he really would do that. So that's a little bit of a scary verse. So let's go on with that. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. In order to bear fruit, a branch needs three things. It needs a connection to the vine or the tree to receive nourishment from the roots. It needs sunlight so that the leaves can photosynthesize and provide that kind of nourishment that kind of energy, and it needs free movement of air to inhibit diseases from developing, fungus from growing. Pruning, when the gardener goes through and prunes a branch, he removes the obstructions to sunlight and air movement. He keeps the best branches and cuts off the ones that would obstruct. He shapes the vine or the tree the way that he wants it to accomplish his or her purpose for it instead of the way it wants to go by itself. You know, it says, I'm going to grow all these different branches all over the place. And he says, no, you're getting in the way of each other. Let me shape you the way that I want it. And in most plants, cutting off the end of a branch causes it to put out more new branches along the length, meaning more places to bear fruit. So pruning makes it more fruitful. But wait a minute, isn't pruning the same thing as cutting off branches? What's the difference? Well, 
It can feel the same, but the intention is different. When a dead or unfruitful branch is cut off, the gardener doesn't want it to grow back. When a fruitful branch is pruned, the gardener wants it to stop using its energy on useless twigs and leaves and focus on bearing fruit. Unfruitful branches and the parts that are pruned grew there because they were seeking sunlight in their own way instead of growing the way the gardener wanted. They were trying to be their own source, focusing on what they wanted rather than focusing on bearing fruit and the the whole tree bearing fruit and trusting the gardener to make sure that they were in the right place to receive the sunlight and the fresh air. So how does God prune the church? Through correction and discipline. Revelations 3.19, from that same letter to Laodicea, Jesus says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. One of the signs of a loving parent is appropriate correction and discipline to teach a child to train them up in the way they should go, to show them uh, what's dangerous, keep them from getting in trouble, and help them grow and develop as best they can. God prunes the church because he wants to remove obstructions to his light and the free movement of his Holy Spirit in his church. The same Greek word pneuma can be translated air, which needs to move around freely for a branch to bear fruit. And that same word can be translated spirit. And the Holy Spirit needs to be able to move around freely for his church to bear fruit. God prunes the church because just like the gardener and the vine, God wants to shape and form the church according to God's purposes. God wants to encourage more fruit bearing in the church, and so he prunes it. And all of these things also apply to individuals. And it's a fruitful thing to go back through this uh, passage and ask God to show you how it applies to you as an individual. But today we're talking about the church. So going on, verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. In the original Greek, it says you've already been, and the Greek word is katharai. The word kathairo can mean pruned or cleaned or purified. It's the root of our word cathartic or catharsis. It basically means to get rid of all the bad stuff. And the message that Jesus gave that he said did this is what we call the gospel, which in its larger sense refers to the whole Bible. So Jesus is saying that if we really read the Bible and pray about it and try to follow it and let it do its work in us, that process will prune and purify our hearts so that we can bear more fruit. Verse 4, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Some translations use the old word abide. Abide in me and I will abide in you. To abide in a place means to live there. It comes from the same root as abode, which is a place where you live. It's your dwelling place. It's your home. Uh, Our family some years ago took a long camping trip. And uh, the four boys slept out in tents. And we had a tent trailer where Paula and I and our little daughter, who's grown now, 
uh, we slept in the in the trailer, but in the mornings, uh, Joy and I would get up and we'd go outside, and Paula would be in the trailer by herself, getting you know doing whatever she was doing. And if we wanted to come back in, we had to knock on the door and say, "May we enter your abode?" And she would, of course, say yes, and we would come in. But an abode is a place where you live, and so to abide means to live. Jesus is saying that we must remain in him. We have to live in Jesus. We have to make Jesus our spiritual home. The Greek word here actually is manita, which is where we get the word remain. And he goes on and he says, For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain or abide in me. When you cut a branch off of a vine or a tree, at first it looks just like all the other branches. I mean, it might be maybe lying there on the ground, but the leaves are still green, it still bends. If you don't look carefully, you may not realize that it doesn't remain a part of the tree. And it can look that way for days. It can be the same with a church. A church or a Christian that has lost its vital connection with Jesus can look just like the ones that remain in Jesus, sometimes for years, and never realize it. Jesus said to the church in Laodicea in Revelations 3, you say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize, Jesus says to the church, that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now notice that this connection is more than just external. Jesus said, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. He didn't say, unless you keep calling yourself a church. He didn't say, unless you keep naming my name or quoting the Bible. He said, unless you remain in me. So what does it mean to be in Jesus? This position where we are supposed to remain. What does that mean? Well, that's at least another whole sermon, if not a whole book. But for now, let's go back to Jesus' analogy again of the vine and the branches. The branches are not physically located inside a vine. So Jesus isn't talking about physical location. We aren't physically or geographically in Jesus. But a branch is not just externally connected. To the vine. It's not nailed on or tied on or glued on. So it's not enough for us to be externally connected to Jesus through appearances or doing religious stuff. A branch is connected to a vine in such a way that the sap flows from the vine out into the branch to give it nourishment, the water and minerals and such that it gathers from the soil. You could say the very life force of the branch comes from the vine. If that connection is lost, if the sap is no longer flowing into the branch, then no matter how normal and good it looks from the outside, that branch is dying if it's not already dead. If a church or a Christian isn't getting its very life force from Jesus day by day and minute by minute, that church or Christian is dying if it isn't already dead. If we aren't looking to Jesus as the source of everything we need, if we aren't totally devoted to Jesus as our life, if we aren't living in him and remaining there, 
then we are dying. Now, Jesus doesn't specifically address this, but a healthy branch grows. It increases its capacity to receive sap from the vine. In the same way, a healthy church and a healthy Christian grow, increasing our capacity to receive life from Jesus. Now, all of this is so important that Jesus goes back and says it again, starting in verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. We can look like we're doing something, we can feel like we're doing something, but if it's apart from Jesus, it has no eternal value. At the end of our lives, we'll look back at the things that were done apart from Jesus, and it'll be like a child cleaning out an attic with Grandma. What's this, Grandma? Oh, that, that's nothing. Throw it in the trash pile. Jesus goes on, verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Let me read that again. Anyone, Jesus is speaking, anyone who does not remain in me. He doesn't say anyone who didn't ever come forward and pray a prayer at an altar one time. He's saying anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But he goes on and he says, but if you remain in me, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, That is an amazing promise, but it has to be read in light of the following verse because he goes on and says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. God wants us to be fruitful as churches and as individuals. And God knows that we need certain things to produce that fruit. We need wisdom, we might need strength. Very often we need physical, material things because we live in a physical, material world. And that can include money because money is the way things work in the physical, material world. What Jesus is saying is that as long as we remain in him and let our lives and our plans and our prayers be guided by his words, then We can ask God to provide whatever we need to produce that fruit for him, and he will. That will be the desire of our lives. It will be what we just naturally ask for. That desire will be guided and inspired by him because his words are in us and we're in him. And so he will answer that. When we have enough faith and boldness to do the things God is calling us to, to fulfill the dreams that God has put in our hearts, that produces fruit for God's kingdom and people see it and give glory to God. Now we've been focusing on the church, but as I said earlier, all these apply to the individuals who make up the church, as well as to every local church and God's church as a whole. 
And so let's ask, are we, am I, myself, is my church remaining in Jesus in the way we've been talking about? If not, how can we get reconnected? How can we get grafted back in? Are we growing in Jesus? Is my church growing? Am I myself growing? And by say the church growing, that doesn't necessarily mean numbers. It can mean spiritual growth. It can mean all kinds of different things. Is my church growing in Jesus? Am I growing in Jesus? If not, what do we need to do? Ask God to show you. It might be you need more prayer time or Bible time. It might be and I'm speaking mainly as an in, to individuals. It might be there's someone you need to forgive. It might be there's something you know God wants you to do, but you haven't done it yet. That kind of thing won't separate you from God, but it will stop you from growing. And then ask yourself, if we are remaining in Jesus, is there anything that needs to be pruned? Is there anything in our church or in my life that's not bearing fruit? Is there anything that's obstructing the light of God? Is there anything that's obstructing the free flowing of the Holy Spirit? And if so, what part of the Bible do we need to apply to prune those things off? I want to end with one more verse from Jesus' letter from Revelations to Laodicea. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now that verse is often used in personal evangelism. Do you need to open the door to your heart and invite Jesus in? If you do, he promises to come in no matter what you passed. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends if you open the door of your heart. And that's entirely appropriate to apply that to individuals. But the verse is actually, as we already looked at, part of what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea. Many commentators see the letters to the seven churches in Revelation as applying to the worldwide church at different periods of history. And they see this letter to the church in Laodicea as applying to our period of time, today's church. And so if that's true... Jesus is saying this to the church today. Look, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is outside, knocking on the door, trying to get into the church. And he says, if you hear my voice and open the door, if you, church, hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. No recriminations. For individuals, churches, we'll share a meal together as friends. I pray that is the case for you and for your church. Let's say our memory verse one more time together. Repeat after me. John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5.
Please visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. May God bless you as we do Christianity together. See you next time.